0: This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at mm. contact aeanz.org. I'm Jill and i addictive eater. I thought that's the easy bit. Um, but yeah, it's nice to be here and I always feel a bit anxious about sharing. Um, but I I was reading a book, a story in the big book today, and this person said, "She said, 'I'm, I'm alcoho- I became alcoholic because I drank.'" And I thought, "You know, that is not my experience. I believe I was born an addictive eater, and I was just waiting to pick up the first one." Um, you know, I don't think, I don't think for a moment that the food. Made me an addictive eater. I was the addictive eater anyway, and you know I have memories of stealing food and hiding food and having my private little stash of food from when I was two or three years old. Um, and I guess that that was the substance that was available to me. You know, if I'd lived in a house full of alcohol, who knows? Um, but. You know, I'm, I'm I'm quite sure that, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to figure out what made me eat. Um, and I thought it was because of the terrible childhood I had and because of the terrible town I lived in, in the terrible com- country I'd been brought up, and my awful siblings and my worst parents. And um, then... I read about how um, people who had been sexually abused particularly often became addictive eaters and I thought I must have been sexually abused but I I had no memory of that so then I read about repressed memory and that explained everything. And, you know, the relief for me when I came here and you know, heard the message that I still hear today in meetings, that I am an addictive eater because I was born that way, and I have absolutely no doubt about that whatsoever, you know, I always, I always felt different, I always felt as though I didn't belong, you know, I was the kid who was never going to get picked for the team. You know, at school they used to divide the class up, and you get picked for teams. And I was always the last one. You know, I just, I just didn't know how to be part of anything. And, you know, all all the way through my childhood, growing up, I had that feeling of, um, of being ill at ease, of not belonging, of not knowing how to fit in. It was like there was. There was some secret to getting on with the rest of the human race, and I just didn't know what it was. Um, And, you know, it was awful going through life feeling like that, that feeling of not belonging. And, you know, when I was 17, I discovered alcohol, and that took away all my problems really fast. And the other advantage of it was that I know a lot of other people, when they start to drink, they put on weight. I lost weight, and that was wonderful, because all I really wanted in life was to be thin. Um, You know, and I wasn't grossly overweight. When I look at school photos, you know, I was a bit overweight at times, but in my mind, I was enormous, you know, and I always thought I'd be happy if I got thin. And like I said, I discovered alcohol, and I lost a lot of weight. And for many years of my drinking and my eating, I thought for many, many years that I had control of my eating because when I was drinking, I didn't want to eat. And, you know, the the self-delusion of the addict... Is amazing, you know. I just, I just thought because my weight went up and down, in accordance with what other substances I was using, I, I always had that idea that I was controlling the weight, you know. And it was absolute rubbish. I was just swapping from one addiction to the other. Um, And that was another thing I learned when I came into the program, that addiction swaps from one substance to the other. And, you know, it was amazing for me coming into the program and looking back on my life. And the things I heard just totally rang true with my experience. I mean, I had blundered through my life never been able to figure out why things were going wrong with me, never been able to figure out why I couldn't make decisions, why I didn't have a proper career, um, why my relationships were always so lousy, um, why everything went wrong and when I came to when I came to a 12-step fellowship, my whole life started to fall into place, you know, it just, I don't mean as and everything got better, I mean as it, it explained why my life had been the way it was, you know, I heard, well, big thing I discovered was that addiction isn't particularly about the substance, you know, it's a substance that brought me in, and I'm very grateful for that, but, you know, I discovered that Addiction was about so much more than my eating. You know, it was about my whole personality, the way I lived, my belief systems, just everything. And coming here just made sense of the way I had been all my life. Um, You know, and I've, I've often shared at meetings that... When I came here, there was nothing in this program that I thought was a good idea. You know, I was horrified to see God on the wall, absolutely horrified. I, well, not so much horrified, I was disappointed because I thought, it was about God, I can't go there, i would have to try and find somewhere else and think, oh, that didn't happen. Um, but, you know, the whole idea of listening to somebody else's suggestions or instructions... Um, The whole idea of taking my inventory when the world had been so nasty to me, the whole idea of making amends, and worst of all, the idea of doing something for someone else was just all, um, I I was going to say intolerable, but it was more that I just just thought, why would you do that? Why would you do any of those things? And you know, sometimes I find feel as though I haven't changed much. And when I think of my attitude to the steps in this program, and the way I thought they were all just absurd, and I don't, you know, my thinking today is absolutely opposite. Like it's just the best way to live, you know. That that makes me realise how much things have changed. Um, but it, it happened through, you know, it happened through a lot of grief, you know, like I I fought against this programme. I didn't want people telling me what to do, you know, and more than anything else, I did not want to give up the food. I mean, I was in AA before I came, to, came here, and... Um, You know, I, used, I remember I used to think when I was in AA, I was so angry about the fact that I couldn't control my food. You know, and I, I, I used to yell at God and say, you know, what do you want from me? You know, how dare you want me to give up everything else? Isn't the fact that I've given up alcohol enough for you? <laughs> just, just demented um, and I think I well, I fortunately I lived on my own, so I could probably afford to yell and shout at God more than people who lived with a family might want to. Um, but you know, I used to yell the stuff at God. You know, and it was haven't you, haven't you taken enough from me? You know, that was my attitude. Um, and I, you know, I tried, I tried managing the food addiction. Through AA, because I thought it's the same program, it's exactly the same step, exactly the same program, it's all addiction. Um, you know, I must be able to do it through here because I did not want to come here. You know, I mean, I find even today, you know, I can whip up a bit of glamour about drinking, but this, you know, I was a very secret eater. I wasn't somebody who publicly loved food, I was terribly ashamed of it. Um, and I did, you know, I, I, I did all my eating in secret and I did not want to, well, I didn't want to stop eating for one thing, but I didn't want to, you know, tell anyone about what was happening. Um, you know, so I led this absolute, you know, when I think about it, I mean, I think what a, what a hard way life it is you know, to have that desire all all the time and to be eating and hiding it. And I spent quite a lot of years, quite a few years, coming in and out of um, a food fellowship. And I eventually, I found the meetings here where some of you people here tonight were, were there already. And I heard... You know, I knew that it wasn't working through AA and whether it should or not, it wasn't and that I needed to come here and I came to a meeting and, you know, heard people talk about recovery from food addiction in a way that I had never heard before Um, and it was partly that, you know, the people in that room were a normal size I don't know I don't think I thought they were thin I think I I thought they were just a normal size and that was very reassuring to me um, that they were a normal size but it was far more than that they were um, they had a peace about them you know that I I could see that they had some peace in their lives I mean for all I know they may have gone home and picked the pet and all their family I don't know but it sort of seemed to me that they were, they just had a, had a peace about themselves. And, you know, I had no peace in my life. You know, I was such a bad-tempered person. I had always been a really bad-tempered person. And as, as the food got worse in my life, I think I got a whole lot more bad-tempered. You know, people were always in my way. I was very suspicious of people, I was very angry, I mean, I remember I used to wake up every morning and pray to be kind and loving and gentle with everyone, and I'd I'd get out the door in my car and start tweeting the horn at people who are in the way, and I'd get to work and, you know, I'd, I'd start yelling at people, I mean, they must have thought I was really insane. Um you know, when I went to make amends to that pe- those people, you know, none of them said, no, 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 you weren't like that. They knew exactly what I was talking about. I was just crazy and you know, I look back and I think it must have been awful for them. Um you know, looking at this person who just who just yelled at them. Um yeah, it's just you know, it's still sometimes today when I think about it, just just how awful that must have been to people. But, you know, it was, you know, it was, I had dreaded making amends to people and I discovered through making amends to people of just just how kind people can be and how, how tolerant they are. But, you know, it makes me very, very grateful not, not to be like that today. Um... Yeah, and anyway, I came here and I saw, sorry, I got sidetracked as happens, but you know, to see people here who weren't like I was was amazing. I, you know, I can still remember that first meeting and leaving that meeting with that little bit of hope, you know, because I saw those people you know, in whom the problem had been solved, you know, they talked about the way they used to be, and they just, they were just calm, and, and I loved that, you know, I loved that calmness about them, um, you know, and that, that they, they weren't like I was, um, you know, it was, it was wonderful, Um, And I totally embraced the program and I got a sponsor and got a food plan and thought all the Christmases had come at once. And then somewhere along the line, I decided that my case was different. You know, I think it's, it's a very much a tray of addicts to think that their case is different. And I thought mine was different. And I decided that, you know, I could make some exceptions in my food plan when it suited me. Um, you know, I found it very humiliating to ring the sponsor and, you know, say I'd forgotten was a or something like that. So, you know, to solve this problem, because I hated admitting that I'd done anything wrong, I just decided I wasn't going to talk about those things anymore. Um, And there were a lot of little incidents like that. You know, I remember I used to go and visit my parents and they couldn't cope with me cooking my... My mother couldn't cope with me cooking my own food. So I just decided when I visited them to just have what they had because it was pretty similar to my food plan. And, you know, those those little lies, those little deceits, they just... I guess they just chip away and they got bigger and bigger. And the more I did that, the more I thought I can't possibly tell anyone what I'm doing because it just, you know, it just became a much bigger accumulation of lies about what I was doing. And, you know, I had a service position that... um, I think quite a lot of people looked up to me, you know, and I was living this life of, of deceit, you know. It, was, it just, to me, it just got blacker and blacker and blacker. And I realised that, <laughs> being a bit of a drama queen, you know, I would have to go to my deathbed, and I might make a deathbed confession of what I've been doing. <laughs> But, you know, it certainly wasn't going to happen before then. In fact, I thought it'd be really good to make a deathbed confession. Um, You know, and that's how I thought. And, you know, I live with that. And, you know, the enormity of living, living with lying like that and hiding what I was doing was just... You know, it was it was just crazy. I remember after I, you know, I finally got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, and I had to go and talk to my sponsor about what i have been doing. And several people said to me, you look 10 years younger, what's happened? You know, and that was, you know, carrying that burden. And I often think of that but in the big book where it says half measures availed is nothing. You know, and I never... In all those years, had a moment's peace of mind. I mean, I think there were times in those years when I was um, probably eating on the food plan quite, you know, may have been weeks or months, I don't know, but I think there were times. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I always reserved the right to go and eat when it suited me. And, you know... Because of that, I, I, in my mind, I was eating that whole time, and I never had any peace of mind. In all those years, I never had any peace of mind. And, you know, what happened was that I just, I just got to the stage where I couldn't do it anymore. It was exactly like it had been for my drinking, you know, except it took me a lot more years to get to that point where... I just could not do it anymore. I was just, um, I don't know, just, just completely exhausted by it and I couldn't do it. And, you know, I had to admit, I had to admit defeat. I, I just, I had nothing left in me that I could carry this on anymore. And, you know, the book says, who cares to admit defeat? To, to admit defeat, and I tried for years not to admit defeat. Um, and today, you know, I just feel so very, very grateful that I got to that point where I couldn't do it anymore. And I went and told my sponsor absolutely everything I could think of that I had done. Um, you know, and I also feel very grateful that you can't get picked out of this program. Because, you know, I felt that I didn't deserve to be here and it took me probably three years for that feeling of not deserving to be here um, to wear off, you know, and I'm very aware today, you know, I'm not here on merit, um, you know, I, I just feel very grateful that, um, that I have been given a second chance and I feel very grateful that I stayed, because if I had left during that time, I'm not sure that I would ever have come back. You know, I would have found it so humiliating, so embarrassing, so crushing, so whatever, that I'm not sure I ever would have come back. But, you know, I was here, and, you know, eventually eventually I was able to talk about what I did. I had to make a lot of amends all over again, and, you know, that was that was really good for me because I, I had to go back to some people and say, hey, you know that amends I made to you 10 or 15 years ago? I skipped out some bits, and I had to go back to those same people and make the rest of my amends. And, you know, again, I was... You know, I am endlessly amazed at how, how generous other people are, because, you know, I didn't, i going to say I didn't deserve, I'll just say that people were really, really generous when I made amends, and, you know, I had to go back to being a newcomer, and I hated that, you know, my sponsor treated me as if I was in day one again, you know, whereas... If I'd had my way, I think I would have just been someone who done a few things on the side. Um, but um, yeah, I, that desire to eat was taken away from me. You know, I I I never like to say anything like I gave up the food because it wasn't me doing anything. I didn't give up anything. That desire was taken away. By a a power greater than me, and I totally believe that today. Um, You know, and I haven't had to eat since that time. You know, just and if the desire to eat hadn't been taken away, I don't know whether I would have stopped eating. You know, I mean that's pointless speculation, but, um, but you know, it does leave me absolutely knowing that that God has done for me what what I could not do for myself. And God has done so much, you know, all that anger and bad-temperedness. I mean, I occasionally get like that. Um, I have an issue with some neighbours over Magnolias that irk me from time to time. Um, And, you know, sometimes I get get bad-tempered about things. But, you know, I know I'm not going to break out into you know, into a wall of outrage. Um, you know, I love today, one of the big things that's changed for me, and I know for a lot of other people here too, is getting more involved in meditation. And, you know, I love that. I love the practicality of of meditation, of, um, of just being able to... Um, stop you know when I when when I do have those negative emotions which don't actually happen all that often but when they do just being able to chop, stop and take stop and breathe quietly and you know there's always something else I can do you know and that someone something else is you know the best something else I can do most of the time is to do something for someone else and that there's something I hated doing. I just couldn't see any point in why would you do something for other people when nobody's done anything for me, <laughs> you know? And that's just crazy thinking. Um, and you know, I know I have a peace of mind in my life today. You know, I don't have that turmoil. I don't wake up angry in the morning. You know, if there's a problem in life, I can talk to the sponsor, I can talk to God, I can talk to other people in the fellowship. And, you know, there was always a solution to everything. And I love, one of the things I really love today is living my life knowing, this is not really about living one day at a time, but knowing that whatever happens in the future it will all work out all right, everything will be fine, God's running the show, and I don't need to worry. And, you know, I I remember somebody years ago who always used to say to me, Jill, what if the sky should fall? Because, you know, that's what I was like, I was always worried that the sky would fall. And, you know, to live knowing that You know, if the sky does fall, there'll be a solution. (laughs) I don't know what it will be. But just to know that everything's all right and that there will never... I mean, just to have that... I have got that certainty that whatever happens in my life, there will be a solution for it and there will be someone who can help me. And I thought, how many people out there in the world live knowing... I mean, I don't know whether other people live with all that uncertainty and doubt and fear, um, but you know, it's it's wonderful not to live with that fear today. Um, and I know it's all, you know, it's all because of you people and this program, and you know, having these steps as a way of as a way of living and um, having a sponsor and you know having having god run in the world it just um it just gives me a peace of mind that i never had before so anyway i'm very grateful to be here and thank you for asking me to share